0: Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner. I'm uh, I'm here live, ready to proceed. I am not a cat. Joining me, as always, on the program is Damien Dunn. Damien, I assume you saw the viral video this week in which the lawyer had to explain away that he was in fact not a cat. Not a I, cat. I, for one, was really glad that he clarified that because I was
1: questioning there for a little bit.
0: Yeah. it That was one of the funnier things I've seen in a very long time. I watched it several times and laughed aloud.
1: <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: All right, Dame, lots on the show this week. Uh, I have a current, you know, how I get obsessed about financial concepts and topics. And so uh, the one that I'm currently obsessed with is how our relationships with money evolve. And I think sometimes people don't realize that they evolve or that they should evolve. And so they find themselves trapped. So what you and I are going to do on the show today when we begin recording the radio show is we are going to talk about our own personal financial journeys. Then we are going to talk about um, the oh, kerfuffle that uh, personal <laughs> finance expert Dave Ramsey decided to unleash on the uh, Twitterverse this week. But thought that was he who shall not be named. Oh. Yeah, my issue is. Maybe we'll talk. Have this talk now. I don't have an issue with Dave <laughs> Ramsey. I, I really don't. I completely disagree with what he said, and we're going to give our perspective. But um, I like to think if I disagree with someone, I don't need to throw them under the bus. I can just disagree with their words. I think Damien, I mean, you and I try to try to operate on that level. Absolutely, Dave has helped. Countless number of
1: families uh, fix their financial lives, and that is to be commended. Let alone, I mean, he uh, he has said some some things that are a little off-putting, but uh, his overall results uh, for the mass majority of people have been pretty good, Pretty darn good.
0: That's actually how I lost weight. I went off-putting. Off-putting. Very nice. <clears throat> All right, uh, and then finally, biggest waste of money of the week and the news. So, oh, hello everyone on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. A lot of regulars, Nick and. All-time greatest listener, Jameson. Listener of the year, Danza. Jameson down in Texas getting the Midwestern frigid down there, man. Dame, do you think I should go with the cat the entire show? I don't
1: know. I mean, there's a a likelihood that at some point I will just not be able to take it anymore and laugh for unforeseeable reasons in the middle of a segment. And I don't know if you want that to happen.
0: Uh, for those listeners on the podcast, I currently have a um, cat's face superimposed over my face on the video feed. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I like sticking with a bit past when it's funny because that's when it gets funny for the person who's levying the bit. Hello, Betty. Betty's bit be- yeah. what's that new community? Betty, I was she was talking about it on uh, Clubhouse. What is it? Clubhouse? People are into the Clubhouse. Betty's a proponent of this new social media thing called clubhouse which is essentially a conference call or something yeah we were not invited which doesn't surprise anybody i did get an invite to clubhouse i have just not taken anyone up on it yet wow yeah i don't have time okay dan let's start the show you ready yeah three two this week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your meowny questions. Here's how the show works: you email us, ask Pete the dot com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's ask Pete at petetheplanner.com, and we will do our best to answer your questions. This week, I'm joined by the one and only Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money, Damien Dunn. Hello, Dame. Good morning, Pete. Good morning to you, Dame. On the show this week, with our extensive pre-production meetings, we've decided to. Uh, in segment one, we will talk about your journey with money, your relationship, how it has evolved over the years. Segment two, we will talk about how my relationship with money has, uh, going, uh, has evolved and will continue to evolve over the years. Segment three, we're going to talk about uh, criticism that has been levied by personal finance expert Dave Ramsey uh, to those who say they need a stimulus payment. So he says that if you need a stimulus payment, then you probably likely have major issues, including mental health issues and all sorts of other things. So we will talk about that idea. And then finally, biggest waste of money a week and the news, Dame. So I wrote a column in the Indianapolis Business Journal this week that talked about this idea that sometimes we don't realize that our goals for ourselves change, especially in relationship to money. So I, I'm not gonna give you my full story, but I need to give people some context so we know where to go with this. Uh, for a lot of people, when they think about their financial lives and what their major goals are, wealth ends up being the primary aim. And that makes sense, right, Dan? Sure. I mean, the idea that money is the primary resource that we're dealing with we need to talk about money, it's not surprising that wealth would be the primary goal. So I've been there, wealth has been a goal of mine. It is no longer a goal, it hasn't been for about a decade. Then I get into this idea of flexibility, because to me, m- flexibility is when you have both money and actual time, because if you have wealth, then you have to spend money to save time or buy time. But if you have flexibility, you got, you got both and you can deploy them as needed. Well, recently, I've noticed my relationship has evolved even further, and I will get into that in the next segment. But first, you, Dame. Dame, let's begin here. Pre-adulting, well, you're in a, you know, you're not an adult yet. You're, I don't know, what, I, when did you consider yourself adult? Maybe let's just honestly start there.
1: Uh, probably when I was uh, out and on my own, so uh, post-college age time, uh, I think uh, you're, almost uh, expected to make some mistakes certainly while you're you're in that that transitional time from 18 to 22 and then even more after that point but uh, the stakes are pretty darn low for most most people between 18 and 22
0: and if you had to at that time let's say 22 you're like okay i've got an income coming in what was the what was the point of that income was it to establish a lifestyle did you have any sort of bigger goals whether they were gross goals or healthy goals like what what were you thinking early on Uh, At that point, I was knee-deep in
1: saving money as as quickly as I could. Uh, Really? Yeah, I I really was. I was still fortunate enough to have a very uh, affordable uh, cost of living at at that point. And I was stashing away a a large amount of every paycheck at that point. I didn't have car expense uh, and and living expenses were were pretty darn low. So it was uh, go to work uh, come home, hang out with some, some buds, uh, after, after work and,
0: uh, yeah, just, just repeat, uh, wake up and repeat the next day. And by the way, the reason we're doing this today is because I don't think enough people look back at how their relationship with money has evolved. And so therefore they don't see the opportunity in front of them. True. So Dame, just for some context. So we're talking about age 22 for you. What year did, uh, the other Mrs. Dunn, uh, come into your life in terms of marriage? Uh, When we got married or when I met her? Married. 2003. Okay. So you've still got two, three years before Mm -hmm. all this is happening. Okay. So Dame, your main goal was to store money away. Saver or investor at that point, my friend? Saver. Uh,
1: It was entirely at that point just a saving account because uh, I was saving for a down payment for uh, a house at some point and then uh, just trying to stash up some cash outside of that. I often wonder if I had put some of that into the market uh, instead of just the saving account, how things would have been different. In the long run, probably not that much because I ended up using almost all the money I had saved for various goals along the way. So I'm perfectly content with the decision to put it into a saving account versus a, a, a non-qualified retail account.
0: You know what? That is fascinating to me in, in a really good way. Like this idea that that's a really healthy thing for a young person do to do is to first get addicted to saving right I mean yes perfectly in a perfect world you' you're, you get addicted to investing but getting addicted to saving is elementary it is it is you were doing consumption based goals you were saving money to then spend the money on something which is a really healthy thing that a lot of people never get to because they get to consumption before saving for the consumption
1: yeah and uh, you know Pete you and I um our youth was uh, probably influenced greatly by the households that we grew up in. Uh, both of our dads were business owners. And so I'm not sure how um, much you were exposed to that process, uh, but my dad had this really unique uh, system of uh, taking care of, of business. It was called the kitchen table where everything <laughs> was just kind of strewn about and everything happened there. Budgeting, payroll, uh, paying bills, everything happened there. So Every time I walked through that room in our house, I had an insight or a glimpse into what it took to uh, run a business and then also to manage a, a, a financial life as well. So this wasn't some secret to me. Um, I, I remember going uh, him taking me down to uh, to sit in a meeting with his financial planner when I was still in middle school. So it, these, these sorts of concepts were just... Um, part of my, my normal everyday life. So I'm, I'm very blessed for, for that, uh, exposure and knowing what uh, a good financial life looks like from the start.
0: And let's jump very far ahead because of course I've lost track of time. Uh, Dame, at what point did it significantly shift where your financial priorities changed? Uh, Obviously marriage is going to do that. Was it kids or, or when did you transition into caring about investing as opposed to saving and consuming?
1: Uh, it was probably with the, the first um, real job that mm-hmm. I had, uh, where I had access to a retirement plan and, and got to um, get some, some free money from the employer with that, that company match and pay attention to where things were going there. So that would have been uh, still early 20s, uh, early to mid 20s. And along with that came all sorts of other responsibilities. So we had some some student loans that we had to get taken care of. So that adds a layer of complexity to everything. So. Uh, trying to figure out what a blended financial life looks like with two people and and some new responsibilities, it would definitely be early to mid-20s is when how, things started to get turned on.
0: How old were you when you were the most liberal with your spending? Uh, liberal in the sense that you were just spent, <laughs> just spending a lot of money and it didn't bother you? Man,
1: I feel like I ebb and flow in and out of that still today almost right. because there there are still times that I will just absolutely step back and go, what was I thinking? Why in the world did I spend money on that? There are still some purchases that I just, I can't believe I made. Um, I paid the price for them too, uh, literally and figuratively. So I don't know. It seems like it's not something that I've ever completely
0: gotten out of, but thankfully those times in my life are getting further and further apart. Let's go here. Where are you on the spectrum right now? I'm going to force you to assign percentages to two concepts. One, your success will come with either A, not needing a lot of money, or B, your success will come with having a lot of money. So how do you assign those percentages of like your current thinking at age 43? What is your current level of thinking? For future, like retirement age? Successful retirement. Um, It's really interesting
1: because, you know, you've got – well, we're going to run out of time. I'm going to, I I'm going to I right guess, So uh, I'm going to say 50-50 and be a total cop-out on that answer. Oh, my God. Why do, you, why, do you, why do you do this to me?
0: Because it's fun. Coming up after the break, we're going to make Damien at least go one percentage, one direction or the other. And I want you to think during the break, is your plan based on not needing a lot of money or is it based on having a lot of money? We'll talk about Damien. We'll talk about me next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner um jameson with the joke of the day the split screen looks like <laughs> a cat burglar that's really funny actually danza with a shot too today on pete the planner let's talk about kitcoin that's pretty no, good th- that's not planner sam says uh uh if you like a subject do you purr well, i don't know what that means pete the purr okay lots of cat jokes everybody lots of cat jokes uh okay Oh, El Gato del Dinero. That's pretty good, Nick. I like that. Um, okay. Dame, did that go okay for you? Yeah, it was uh,
1: way less painful than I thought it was going to be. Uh-oh.
0: All right. So, yeah, here we go. Oh, 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 someone has a question. Hello there. That HSA question from last week was just the tip of the iceberg. It's my favorite retirement investment vehicle right now behind the company match on a 401k. Best part of the HSA is that you don't have to take the withdrawal from the account when you incur a qualified expense. So you can incur a qualified expense in 2021, pay for it out of pocket, and then take the withdrawal 20 years later in retirement, just so as long as you have the HDHCP, the high deductible healthcare plan and the HSA in the year that qualified expense. Absolutely. And I will say, Dame, we got that email from another really smart person this week, and that is absolutely true. But Dame, you are somewhat convinced, based on our pre-production meeting, that that might be a loophole that may eventually be closed.
1: Yeah, I just, I can't see uh, that sticking around too long. It's it's well known, and it's perfectly, um, perfectly legal to do this, but I think there's going to have to be some sunset on it eventually in the future to have people start keeping, uh, receipts from stuff that happens this year and using them 20, 25 years down the road. Uh, I think there's there's got to have to be a, a limit drawn on it in the future. And I don't know when it's going to be, but uh, it's going to happen. I just don't see how there's going to be a way around it.
0: Mrs. Dunn says his real issue is that the Dunns are equally split between one of us wanting to not need a lot of money and one of us wanting to have a lot of money. Dave, do you care to comment on your wife's comment?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, if you want to wait a minute, I'll just go drag her out here and she can do the next
0: segment. We don't want the show to get good. I like it like it is. Hmm. Um, Okay, let's just start the segment in three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, talking about how our financial relationships – evolve, not with people, but with money itself, like how do our views of money change as we mature or get experience and age and wisdom? And so we're starting with Damien Dunn, co-host of the show. Dame says as of right now, he believes that 50% of his focus for financial success involves him not needing a lot of money. And 50% of his idea and goal for financial success involves him having a lot of money. Dame, that's not going to fly for me. Pick a side, bro. Here's
1: why I'm, I'm settling on that. Okay. Uh, there are some large expenses in our lives right now. You know, mortgage. Uh, we've got uh, some, some other stuff going on that, that doesn't need to, to be discussed here. But I know eventually those expenses go away because that's just how they're structured and what our plans are for them. So in theory, we're going to need a lot less money in the future. But man, I like to plan as if we're going to need it anyway.
0: You know what? I'm with you. And I think uh, as we st- start to creep into my views on money and how they've changed, I- I'm excited to weigh in on that particular thought. But that should probably come at the end. Dame, do you want to add anything else that you find pertinent that you want to share in terms of how your your financial life has evolved and your thoughts have evolved prior to moving on? Uh,
1: I, I think I've had a, a, a pretty tame evolution of of this type of of perspective so i don't know if if it resonates really with with too many people but if if you are uh in my shoes it's okay that uh, uh this is how you feel because you, not everybody needs uh some some story that's going to knock knock people's socks off when they come around to the success part of the story because it's 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 not for everybody but man those stories are fun to hear
0: yeah no i i I agree. Uh, So my financial journey really started uh, in in high school. Uh, I started just doing some pretty standard Roth IRA style investing. I had a buddy whose dad was a stockbroker, and he got me interested in investing. And so I did that, but that's real sort of passive ingress, uh, passive investing, even though some of those investments were actively managed funds. Then when I got to college, uh, I was day trading Mm -hmm. a lot. I didn't go to class a lot. This shouldn't surprise most of you. Uh, I day traded uh, uh, and, and I made some money. So enter into the adult world, 22. And m- my goal was to find a high paying job so I could establish a lifestyle that I wanted. I had a very nice uh, childhood, teen years. My family was uh, sort of up, upper middle class and I wanted to replicate that lifestyle. So that, that was going pretty well. My wife was a teacher. I was a young financial advisor. And then Dame, it, it Around 25, 26, my financial views took a really wicked, gross uh, turn that I I will freely disclose to you today. Well, please expand on that. So things were going well, and for some reason in my mind, it made sense to me that my next goal, my next financial goal, and I believe, Dame, I've shared this with you in the past, is that I just simply wanted to make more money than my dad had earned at the height of his career which was still ongoing at the time and in retrospect and actually not too far retrospect even after i had that idea that's a terrible human's viewpoint like that is not consistent with my character and i regret it but i'm also willing to admit that i trivialized my father's life work life's work by saying i just simply want to make more than him like it was some sort of stupid contest um so that, that was a bad place. I mean, that that's a bad place. That's 26, probably. It was the sort of time where I would just go to an obnoxious steakhouse because I could go to an obnoxious steakhouse. If you look at the pictures from the time, you can see that I went to an obnoxious steakhouse quite often. And then I don't know what snapped. I, I, I had a, I, my 2007 had a really good year in business and I just decided to like, just turn it on a little bit. So I was 28. So I sort of, I put the question out on Twitter this past week of like, when did your financial, um, when did your financial life click? And for me it was 28. I began saving more money, began investing uh, w- with some purpose. And the materialism started fading at that point, right? That, hey, make a lot of money so you can spend money and not worry about it began to fade. And of course I've had blips with that over the last, let's call it 15 years. But but nothing like I was experiencing in 26, 27, where I was just getting it and spending it. I regret 22 to 28 more than anything. I'm curious. Uh, I think you've discussed uh, how your passion
1: for what you do now um, really got uh, turned on. Uh, and I'm curious if some of your interactions with your clients at that time really started to turn the tide for you, the, what you were witnessing and, and, and uh, discussing with them made you realize that uh, the
0: lifestyle you were living wasn't what you really wanted to be doing and needed to make some changes? It was the exact same time. So Pete the Planner became a thing in 2005-ish. So I was about 27. And I was talking to people. I was really studying money, researching how people spent money. And then I had to look inward. And then it became that moment in my career where if I was gonna have any sort of platform, and it was a pretty small platform at the time because it was a blog that my mom read, I was terrified of hypocrisy, right? I, I didn't want to say one thing and do another. So my life improved because I I took interest in wanting to teach people how to do better things, but I myself hadn't been doing the things I wanted to do. So that just continued to evolve. And and you know this concept actually bleeds into our next segment, which is sort of this really aggressive advice that Dave Ramsey gave this past week on Fox News about if you need a stimulus payment, then your financial life's a wreck anyway. Um, this is odd and it sounds a little out of hand, but I used to give really aggressive advice early. And again, I didn't have a giant platform, still don't. Uh, I used to give really great, if you don't do this, you did not do this. Like really, <clears throat> put it on a billboard, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah, And I'm totally just mellowed because I realized that my real tough takes were simply based on my own personal silver spoon experience. And I didn't see that, people had different realities sometimes based in things like systemic racism and poverty. And so that whole like hardcore, tough guy, lunch, bar like, I was just like, it just has faded almost to the point where I'm, I'm merely a shell of my 28 year old cocky self, which is to say something because I'm still rather self-assured. So you're 15 years into
1: the Pete, the planner experiment ish. If you could uh, go back and tell your, self 15 years ago, one bit of advice, what would it be?
0: I would choke myself. I, uh, <laughs> first of all, I have to, uh, this is a great question, Dave. A couple things. One, I, I do extend myself grace and I'm not a regretful guy. I'm just not. I just, It is what it is. I've learned from it. And I also hate when people say it is what it is. But I'm so upset at myself from 22 to 27 for not investing more money. And it's not because I would have millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, although that's arguably true based on wasted opportunity. It's just that I guess now what I do is to try to prevent people from making that exact same mistake, you know? And so maybe that's my penance. I'm not sure. The other thing I regret is having some of those hardcore approaches that like real like tough guy takes, like telling people how to parent their kids about money I didn't have kids right like yeah. uh, and, and it's just maturity sort of sort of grows from there. Where I'm at now though Where I'm at now? <laughs> I used to I used to um, a, a aspire to have wealth okay then I aspired to have flexibility which is money and time. Now I'm at a completely different place. I understand that there's a currency in the concept of attention. what I pay attention to, how i garner attention from others and understanding that balance and the, the currency of if i pay attention to this then i can't pay attention to that if i don't get that under control in terms of what i think is really important then all the money and time in the world are going to be pointless and i will just completely waste them on things that don't warrant my attention so my current focus is making sure that i'm spinning that currency of attention and replenishing it in a very healthy way and that's a deep concept as i go to break coming up after the break we're going to talk about why if you need a stimulus check there ain't nothing wrong with you i'm pete the planner and this is the show boy i just went real deep and then just shut it down
1: yeah that was uh, a roller coaster of emotions right there
0: uh danza asked a question that is is worth it is are you drinking a coors light dame what is that oh diet coke (laughs) of course it is what's wrong with me (laughs) <laughs> what is wrong with you hold on matt just says is that our buddy matt razine do you think it is Ah, uh, it could be i hope it is if it is matt razine and this is getting real creepy because <laughs> now people are going to google <laughs> him um matt razine is one of the nicest people on the planet like truly one of my favorite people he'd have been several places together we were at a church in where in the world were we I want it's to say not, it an... it's not Matt Rosine. <laughs> it isn't. Oh, I'm still telling the story about Matt Rosine. Well, Matt Please. R., I'm sure you're great. We were in like some church in Tennessee or North Carolina or something like that. And I was speaking, and he was there from the organization I was speaking for. And there was like a potluck lunch or something a- afterwards. And so, so we put on aprons and we served everyone lunch. And it's like, there's really weird turn of events. And I don't, I'm telling a story that no one cares about. Okay. So Danza asked, reminds me of the time my dad told us the story about how he used to laugh in calculus in high school, and then we all just looked at him and we we're like, great story, Dad, and now I'm him. Uh, Danza wants to know, what's the update on last week's show in which there was an all-out war in my home during the recording of the show? The uh, players in that drama were Olivia Dunn, my daughter, Ollie, 11, my son, Theodore, Teddy, he was eight, and Mrs. Planner, who is simply a bystander, and I will not give her age. And Dame, here's what happened. Um, my daughter took a blanket from my son, or took a like a you know like a quilt or something, or uh, the remote control or something like that. So my son stood up, and as hard as he could, he kicked her square in the knee. She screamed as though someone had murdered her, and the rest is radio history. Yeah. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about Dave Ramsey on the radio now. You want to? I suppose. (laughs) Did you answer that question?
1: Yeah, I I guess we can.
0: And by the way, we're not talking about Dave Ramsey. We're talking about what Dave Ramsey said. Oh, okay. That's better. Okay, yeah. Three, two, one. And I just messed up the segment. Damn. (laughs) Bless America. Why do we... I get so clicky. All right, I got to... I'm sure the other Matt R is nice too. You know what I mean? What if he was nicer than Matt Rosine? That's impossible. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, here's what I urge you to do this week. Just take a long look at your financial journey. Look at how you used to think about money in your late teens, how those thoughts and ideas came to you. Did you, did you see your parents' financial stress? Were your parents sort of laid back? How did it form? And then how did it mature into your late 20s and 30s? And just explore, Like, is your goal to have a lot of money or is your goal to not need a lot of money? Which then, Dame, I never answered that question for myself. I have been in the uh, not need a lot of money camp for quite some time, right? Uh, I still am in that camp. I would probably still 70% uh, in that camp. And I don't view myself a greedy person by any means. However, I will say this. The closer you get to retirement, and the more your numbers that you have begin to have a shot at the goals you formed a long time ago, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not saying I'm money hungry. I'll just say this. Now that some of my goals actually are in focus, I don't wanna spend money. Like I literally don't wanna spend any money. My my Apple watch is, is sort of messed up and I know I need to replace it. It's like 350, 400 bucks, whatever. Uh, and I need data when I work out because that's the reason I work out not to stay healthy because I love data. And I'm not getting the data I want, but damn, I can't pull the trigger because I, I'm, I'm investing as much money as I can right now.
1: I'm curious, is, is Mrs. Planner on board uh, with with these goals
0: and your approach to them? It's a really great question. Um, I don't, we spend money differently. Like we spend money independently. I, mm-hmm. I don't. We're at a point, we've been married over 20 years. I don't like seek permission or anything to spend money, nor does she. So I I guess what I'm saying is my consumer habits are currently not impacting her in any way, shape or form. Um, but we're both enthused about our progress towards our retirement goals. Is that fair?
1: I mean, is she on the page with not needing a lot of money uh, for retirement? Oh yeah,
0: okay. totally. But again, our house will be paid off. Our kids' college will be funded. We'll have no other bills. So um, I, I would estimate we will need two-thirds to, yeah, about two-thirds, maybe 60% of what we earn now in retirement. Yeah, Which I, if those I, are your percentages, those numbers work.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a really interesting question for people to have to try and grapple with as they start to face retirement, is how much of your income do you need? How dependent are you on that income? Which is why you've developed a, a few of the, the metrics that you have. But, uh, man, if you can get that down to 70 60%, um, you're going to be in really, really good shape.
0: In the, in the, yeah, that's a great point because it's it's not even about sacrifice. It's not about living frugally. It's just, that no, you just don't need the The habit doesn't exist. You don't need the money. Like if my house is paid off, if my the uh, uh, copious amounts of money we're saving for college isn't needed to save anymore, then we don't really have that many bills or habits. Sure, we're going to form new ones. We're going to have new interests. We're going to want to like take falconry lessons and things like that, but... All right, Dame, speaking of money, this past week on Fox News, uh, personal finance guru, Dave Ramsey uh, suggested that if you need $600 or $1,400 for that matter, in the form of a stimulus payment, that uh, he doesn't believe in stimulus because those people have other things wrong with their lives. And so that became really quite the quagmire for him as people reacted to that, Um And before we give our comments on that, if you even choose to give your comments on the dame, I'll just say this. My goal here is not to vilify Dave Ramsey. I don't particularly care one way or the other. I simply want to react to those comments. And and the reason is because I feel completely opposite about that. That if a person, uh, if if $600 or $1,400 or whatever uh, helps them, there's nothing wrong with them. It's just the amount of money they needed to solve the issue in front of them. And so many people, uh, 25 to 30% of our population lost significant income this year. They got behind on bills. They owed family members money. They, they owed their landlords money. They, they, they had medical bills. And so if 600 or 1400, or for a total of $2,000 helps you, why would you say that someone, something is systemically wrong with a person in the midst of the worst economy in a hundred years? I simply don't understand that thinking.
1: I think he probably uh, conveyed what he was trying to say really, really poorly. At least that's, that's my hope if I'm trying to extend him some grace. Uh, there's a huge difference between somebody and their finances in a lot of cases. And if somebody's finances could benefit from uh, $600 or $1,400 or $2,000, whatever the case may be, Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Lots of people's benefit uh, finances could benefit from that. That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you as an individual, and that was not clear by how he said that structure or he said that sentence. Um, Crimey, there's a point in time in Dave's life when he could have benefited from six hundred or fourteen hundred or two thousand dollars. So, I'm I'm hoping he just chose his words very poorly. But even if he didn't, or even if he said exactly what he wanted to we have to start separating somebody's finances from who they are and their value as a person. And I think that's a message that if he would have crafted, would have come together a a lot better and been received very, very well.
0: Yeah. Your, your, your net worth uh, and your self-worth are not the same thing. And uh, I think the lack of empathy for people who are struggling is one thing that, that really bothers me. But the other thing is when those people ask for help because they admit, or come to terms with the fact that they're struggling and they want to do something about it, then we insult them. And and I think whether we're talking about money or we're talking about mental health or we're talking about how people feel different politically and they, they feel marginalized, if someone is hurting and then they ask for help, why are we distancing ourselves from the people who need help? All of us have needed help with something. The mere fact that Dave Ramsey has filed for bankruptcy means that he leveraged something available to him through the government. I just don't understand.
1: No, and I, I mean, if we're if we're going to start this train going down the tracks, I mean, that's one of the things I think that that we really need to uh, work on in this country is is being willing to extend an olive branch uh, to people. Social media is absolutely crushing that on a, a day in day out basis, and the sensationalism that we see. Uh, presented to us online and in the news and in print uh, is not give, doing us any favors as individuals and as communities in this country. So if if you have a chance to uh, be that little bit of hope or that spark of joy for somebody, if they are struggling, please do it. Don't, don't look at all the things that you disagree with. Look at them as a human and see how you can help them get out of the, whatever rut they are in. Uh,
0: every time that I, Sarah and I had, Mrs. Planner and I had this conversation the other day. We, we were at a basketball game, Teddy's basketball game. And there's this kid, you, you know, uh, as a younger person, I would have described him as sort of out of control. You know, the kid who was sort of a bad, bad apple, <laughs> the kids ate like, and I think we're so quick to, to see how someone's different and then just put them in that, that category and as a younger person absolutely I did as a young adult I did that I was like well I'm doing fine they're not you get it together Billy like it's it's not that easy because everything it took for me to have my stuff together um, from a financial perspective was a byproduct of my upbringing and the opportunity given to me and the grace extended to me and so all of a sudden we're to a place where we're closing the door behind us like my issue with what Dave said is that he he had someone take a chance on him, the bankruptcy court. And now he wants to shut the door of opportunity behind him by saying, Oh, well this government money, you got another problem. You, you clearly have mental health issues. Like it was stunning. And again, who cares what I think about him? I don't, I don't ever, it doesn't even matter. I don't think of anything. I just disagree with those comments wholeheartedly. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if there's
1: really much of a value that I can add to it, but uh be kind to each other, buddy. Uh, just uh, take a deep breath and uh, look for uh, look for the things that bring us together.
0: All right, I Well, end on a positive note. I'm very thankful for the millions of people he has helped. And I hope he's not lost the opportunity to help millions more by disenfranchising people based on the wealth gap that exists in this country. Uh, so anyway, coming up after the break day, Bale's waste of money of the week. You know what? I'm going to go on my latest pedestal and tell you about a product that I want this week. Not one that's a waste of money, but something that I want. And it is obnoxious and you can all laugh at me and say, Oh, little kitty. All right. So Dame, that's what's up. That's next right here on the Pete, the planner show. Damien Dunn is here also, as he often is. I have a cat face on digitally on Facebook live. You have to see it to believe it. I'm Pete, the planner, and this is the show. That's a weird way to hit the post is to really drag it out there at the end. That's all right. I didn't do you any favors there. You know the Dave Dame, as you can imagine, you, you and I have actually have this conversation a lot. I get the Dave question. Uh, I used to get it a lot more. I I've spoken at large events and like, is anybody have any questions? And like, some random dude at the back of the room would be like, "How are you different than Dave Ramsey?" And they just like people ask me, and it's like out of completely. And I, I I used to struggle with that question because I wanted to have this the level of influence that Dave has but i i'm just like i don't understand the point of me having a take on him other than the words the other day i i happen to disagree with although the weird part about the clip if you listen to the whole clip and you really should what i send you dame i said i i agree pretty much with what he said up to uh minute 142 is where he just lost everybody yeah yeah i here's the thing
1: a good financial idea or concept is good regardless of who says it. Right. Or, so I, like there are tons and tons of things that Dave espouses and believes in that we would be in lockstep with because it's a solid concept. Uh, but like ma- many people, uh, he is or like all of us, he is fallible and and slips up every once in a while and, and doesn't right. uh, necessarily um uh come off as as well as he probably intends to
0: yeah right so that yeah this is not us throwing the baby out with the bathwater. uh but anyway let's move on uh dame you ready for the biggest waste of money of the week i know i know you're excited yeah but i'm not sure my zencaster is ready to go okay i know i'm resetting it i was buying time uh Oh yeah. You know what? Todd actually makes a really good point here on Facebook live before we go to our segment. He said the question also came, came on the tails of a student loan forgiveness question, um, yeah. which gets him fired up. Probably, you know, look, we've talked about that topic on the show. Um, I, I, th- I think what's different is Dame, you and I both disagree with $50,000 being forgiven on student loans. Like yeah. we, we, one oh we agree with each other, but we disagree with the idea that that's a good idea. Right. And I think we relatively both agree with the idea that ten thousand dollars of student loan forgiveness would be okay. Right. I think that, yeah. I'm I'm not against it. I'll say that. I think it's tone. I think it's about delivering, because it it just seems like you're I don't know I don't know.
1: I mean the ten thousand uh, dollars I I would be more. Acceptable towards. uh, I still think there's some moral hazard issues that that would have to be um, factored into uh, somewhat on that. But uh, uh, there are there are people who could benefit from some student loan forgiveness because it's uh, the the right
0: thing to do. Based on that segment, though, I do agree with the idea that it would not stimulate the economy right now. There's just zero chance. Not going to happen. Number two. To do it without fixing the rising cost of college is also pointless because we're back in the same situation six Exactly. Years ago. That, that's one of my biggest concerns with just mass forgiveness is that
1: we'll find ourselves back here before you know it.
0: Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is pure fish curated seafood boxes. After 17 years of exclusively supplying fine dining restaurants and Michelin starred chefs, Fish is bringing their sushi grade sustainable seafood to your home. Fish offers a curated collection of center cut seafood that is prepped, portioned and packaged in completely recyclable oven safe trays and delivered directly to you. The high quality seafood boxes have previously not been available to the public and arrive ready to go from the fridge to your fork in under 15 minutes. Plus, proceeds from the sale of each box are donated to the Ocean Cleanup Project and nonprofit organization that cleans up plastics and waste from our oceans and rivers. So, Dame, what you would get with one order of pure fish, uh, uh, an order includes two trays of Arctic and sus- or, or Arctic sustainable sta- salmon, two trays of sky steelhead ocean trout, one tray of Arctic char, one tray of saltwater striped bass, one tray of uh, Caribbean Cobia, one tray of wild Santa Barbara black cod. And the cost of all that is 275 or $250, I should say. Dame, that is a lot of money, but if you've had really good seafood and you constantly are buying like weird farm-raised salmon, no offense farmers of salmon, uh, it starts to get old. And I got to say, I'm not actually going to buy this, but man, that sounds really delicious. First of all,
1: was this bomb influenced by your cat filter digital face? Because if it was, that was some killer planning on your part.
0: Um, I have to admit, it was mere coincidence.
1: <sighs> wow. Uh, anyway, uh, no, there's no way I'm paying 200 and some dollars for uh, shipped fish to me. That just doesn't seem... Right, go catch some bluegill, Pete. Fry it up. Have a good time.
0: But listen to how many pieces of fish there are. Okay, there's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Oh, it's counting with Pete. Uh, okay, so two hundred fifty dollars for sixteen servings of fish. Let's let's figure out the math on this. <laughs> math on the radio. Math on the radio. Fifteen dollars per piece of fish. Fifteen dollars and sixty-three cents per piece of fish for the highest quality fish you can get. I don't know, Dame. What's a serving of fish like? Four ounces? Uh, well, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I would say probably five to six ounces. That's a great question, Dame. Oh, that's a snack. That's not a meal. It's a snack. Man, now I got to find it. Yeah, that's true. If you eat, oh, there it is. Six ounces. Six ounces.
1: Uh, I'm not convinced. What's in the news this week, Dame? You ready for the biggest there's no way that's true of the week, Pete? Yeah, please. Over a quarter of American adults say they bought GameStop or another viral stock in January, according to a new survey from Yahoo Finance and the Harris Poll. Using a representative sample size of 1,089 Americans, the survey found that GameStop wasn't actually the most popular stock from a how many people bought it standpoint, while 9% of Americans bought at least one share of GameStop, according to the poll, 10% bought a share of amc entertainment dame stop i know the n- no way no way unless this poll was conducted on reddit or twitter there's no way 28 percent of americans bought one
0: of these stocks okay here's what we want to do uh right now the next four people say bought it or didn't buy it on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, we, we stream the show every Friday at noon Eastern. People can comment, be part of the show right now. You either bought it or didn't buy it. We're going to take the first four. We're doing our own poll. So let's see it. Did you buy it or do you did you not buy it? And in the meantime, Dame, uh, maybe this is disclosure time. I did not buy GameStop or any of those meme stocks. Did you?
1: No, I didn't even get around to opening my, my uh, Robin Hood account like I told everybody I was going to a couple weeks okay, ago.
0: Okay, so we have five people responding so far. Anne, Jameson, Danza, Tim, and Mary Lou, and none of them bought it. That's 0%, and our people are geniuses.
1: Yeah, I would say I, I think we might uh, be a little biased uh, in our listenership here at this point, but uh, no, it doesn't surprise me that anybody... <laughs> not,
0: well, our except our for that one that guy. Didn't bite, but now I'm laughing at Daniel. But <laughs> Daniel, I'm not laughing at you. In fact, we i'm laughing at you i'm sorry i didn't mean to he said i bought it lost money slightly embarrassed about it
1: you know what but it's Don't the picture in his in that that goes that makes it really funny yeah anyway there's sorry i laughed Daniel. it's not my style wait a dave shares of a handful of cannabis stocks surged earlier this week the newest set of targets from the reddit trading community betting on the federal legalization of the plant under new Democratic administration. Shares of Tilray soared 50%, bringing the stock's year-to-date gain to more than 670%. Canopy growth rose 6%, adding to its 110% rally this year. Afria, adding to its 280% gain this year, popped 10%, and Aurora Cannabis rose 20%, bringing its year-to-date rise to more than 120%. Pete, none of these... Stocks had the common decency to
0: rise 420% this year. Either way, it sounds like they're at an all-time high. I'll tell you this. uh, I made the prediction last March uh, that uh, mellawanna would be a... I stole that joke from Danza. uh, (laughs) Mellawanna would be uh, big uh, going forward because I think local governments, state governments are going to need to raise tax revenue and they can do it by legalizing cannabis, marijuana, whatever. Uh, and get that tax revenue. So the, the idea that, that Reddit is sort of uh, stoking the fires of this is insignificant to me, but, and I'm not giving you investment advice, but yeah, I I would be bullish on marijuana stocks if that was my thing. Pete, last state in the union to legalize marijuana. Who's it going to be? Maybe I'm in the state of denial, but I got to go with Indiana. I think you might be right. I mean, you couldn't buy beer on Sunday 2 or 3 years ago, so. Yeah. Supermarket chain
1: Kroger is giving $100 to workers who get a COVID-19 vaccination, joining a growing list of US retailers incentivizing employees to get inoculated against the novel coronavirus as soon as possible. Pete, is this a good use of company funds?
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. By the way, I'm not giving you 100 bucks if you get vaccinated fair enough. Um, yeah, that's a good question though, Dame, isn't it? Do you think it's a good use of company funds? I'm not
1: sure. Uh, I I don't want to uh, see companies incentivize employees to do something that they may not otherwise do. Uh, in, in this particular case, obviously, they already do that with 401ks and 403bs with the match. Okay. So the, this isn't a new territory that they're um, trying to uh, encroach on here, but the health issue uh, with, with vaccines, especially this particular one, who's got, got some politics around it. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm on board with this, this uh, use at this point.
0: You think there's politics around the vaccine?
1: I've heard some rumblings on uh, clubhouse.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll take it from a labor standpoint. If you, if the company believes by having people vaccinated, they'll have fewer people out sick, and that helps the bottom line of the organization, then of course it makes sense to, to incentivize that behavior. So from that perspective, I have no issue with it whatsoever. Last story, Dane, what do you got? Bank of New York
1: Mellon, the nation's oldest bank, is making the leap into the market for cryptocurrencies. The custody bank said Thursday it will hold, transfer, and issue Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies on behalf of its asset management clients. Which makes sense, Pete. Do you know why they're doing this? At least it's my cynical opinion. I've chosen not to be cynical anymore. But go ahead. So they can charge a fee to hold those cryptocurrency uh, oh, assets. Oh, just the AUM
0: situation. It'd be my bet. So wait a second. So if it skyrockets, then AUM skyrockets. Imagine that. And the, I, you know what, man, you are smart. Yeah.
1: Uh, Anyway, in the time uh, Bank of New York Mellon will allow those digital assets to pass through the same uh, plumbing used by managers, other more traditional holdings from treasuries to technology stocks using a platform that is now in prototype. Pete, this is going to be more commonplace as cryptocurrencies uh,
0: sweep the land. I I get that crypto question a lot and I've gotten a lot over the last five or six years and I I still contend I I understand. It but not under I personally don't understand it enough to invest in, and everything else I'm invested in, I understand. And I just I just leave it at that. Yeah. So that's all. Send you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the planner. Goodbye from meow. Goodbye from meow. I heard it. (sighs) I'm glad that I stuck with this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I said, I'm I'm sorry, everybody. No. Uh, I'm um, we're into the show.
1: No. Oh, that quickly?
0: Yeah. I oh goodbye, everybody. You're very nice. Oh, without fail, Dave gives me a. Dame gives me a chuckle, an LOL, once a week, and it's usually uh the last segment today was called back to the clubhouse. You know what? That was good, Dame. Thanks. It, Dame it's subtle, class. but I, I appreciate the people that that to pick up on it. Um Daniel says goodbye, have a great week everyone and don't buy GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody thanks, be good to each other. Um if you see someone struggling, ask yourself why and don't blame them. Try to help if you can. That's my Mr. Rogers thing of the week. Goodbye everybody.